This is Leafs Late. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup. Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Ugh. I had to play that, you know, after after tonight, I needed something, just a little bit of positivity to start off the show. Thanks again, Mike Ross, for doing that for us. But hey, this is Leafs Late Night, and this is Steph the Fanalist, joined with Beaner. Everyone else is either working or it's a little bit of a late, late, late night for them. But we'll see if uh, Darty joins us and... Uh, <sighs> Leafs dropped the game in OT in game six in Tampa. Sorry, I'm really, really not okay right now, Beaner. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm about the same. Um, on the bright side, we just have to, to look at it as best we can, right? They, the Leafs actually, like, they played great. Aside from the phantom high stick on cal foot their officiating was actually good tonight compared to the rest of the series it's been it was amazing tonight and we had our chances we didn't give up fought back jt showed up as people have been asking him to all series yeah and yeah we were right there we had a chance just just couldn't do it i don't fault campbell i don't I can't really find too much fault in the game. Okay, Kerfoot's giveaway at the beginning, but we came back and tied it and then took the lead, so that's neither here nor there, right? Yeah, it's really hard to pinpoint anything on anyone besides that Kerfoot play, and then I guess the actual high-sticking call after the phantom call there, but yeah, we just had really, really high hope we'd close this shit out because this was such a great game tonight. And like you said, I don't know what else could have been better besides <laughs> not getting called for stupid garbage. But ah, uh, Tampa just showing that, you know, their 16-0 record bouncing back off a, off a playoff loss uh, in the last two years. Oh, man. The emotions are high with me right now. Like, I have no nails left if I had any before to, to begin with. But, yeah, what a game. Um, not many penalties to start off the game as well in the first period, which was surprising too. And that's what really set the tone of the game, eh? Yeah, the, the first period just, like, flew by. Um, it, I, like I said, I think it was really well done tonight by the officials. Um, which you don't hear me say that very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of five on five play, and I'm I'm not nervous at all playing these game these guys five on five because the Leafs can hang with them. There's not like you saw it all season, whether against Florida, Colorado, whoever, the Leafs could hang with everybody. Yes, there was blowouts. Everybody gets blown out at some point or another, but they had. They had a, every opportunity to do it, and just we got to pick ourselves up and get ready for Saturday. Yeah, that's it, right? We just got to shake it off and 
kind of knew it was coming at the same time, didn't want to admit it, right? So I guess to really face our demons, we have to go to game seven to slay the dragon for once and for all. Oh, it's, oh, it hurts, you know, especially watching such an excellent game by the Leafs and the reactions on the bench, you know, Keefe and Dubis, Shanahan up, at, up top. Oh, man. I know I'm a little lost for words right now, but a couple things happening in the first period too I want to touch on. What is with Tampa this series and knocking off their own fucking net? Like, and it just just doesn't get called or nothing. It, it always seems like it's accidental, but at what point does it not become accidental? Yeah, I don't want to... I don't want to take Johnny's spot as the conspiracy theorist with regards to Tampa, but it seems awfully convenient that it's been happening so often to give them a little break. Now I know they can't change and it doesn't go to TV timeout or anything if you push it off in your own defensive end, but still that little bit of a breather is better than nothing, right? So it's just awfully convenient. It's too convenient for my opinion, right? To me, it's way too convenient and it always happens at the perfect time or some other bullshit play that happens to get whistled down. For example, Corey Perry laying on the puck like a beached whale in the ozone. (laughs) Like, come on, man. If this was the other way around, it wouldn't be happening. You know, even with Jack and if he pushed off the net, I swear that get that would get reviewed all day long and the least would get some sort of call for that. Now, where's Darty on here saying that if Perry's lying down on the puck, you should still be going after it like it's free and taking some shots. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, seriously. Um, you know, this first period, it was really even and it just goes to show the shots alone 10 minutes into the period. It was only four to two for Tampa. And I got to say tonight, the guys were blocking shots like crazy <laughs> both ways. Right. So I believe absolutely led were the team. Yeah. Five shot or five blocks for Labushkin alone, but wow. Just, yeah. And William Nylander too, rotating through the lines in the first period, uh, through one through three so really looking for that first goal such an important goal but lo and behold just you know small mistake which turns into something huge it's super magnified because of course it leads to a goal um kerfoot backhanding a pass thinking brody is right there but palat's like Ooh, thank you very much. Intercepts that uh, puck straight down on the on the rush and doesn't miss. Oh, it was yeah. That was that was a bad look. I don't, and, and it's so out of character for Kerfoot too, right? Because normally Kerfoot would grab it and he would just at the very least just skate to the blue line and dump it in. Um, I'm not sure what he was thinking. Um, but um, good on good on Jack for bouncing back afterwards and yeah. and holding the line right. Jack played amazing tonight, and really like even Justin Hall. Justin Hall played great tonight. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Huge blocks from Justin Hall tonight, uh, especially in the third period and the overtime. Oh my god, 
nothing bad whatsoever to say about this guy. I mean, the only person to stand out to me is that Kerfoot play and another another time where I believe Marner doesn't get a chance to clear the zone. But hey, we almost finish a whole period playing even strength for the first time in the series, but 20, 28 seconds away from ending the first period, Tampa goes on the power play for a tripping call against Palat. Riley appears to trip him, but if anyone who has eyeballs could see, he was clearly just trying to box his guy out. I don't know how it was even called a trip. Uh, so much panic in front and you know, I thought he was doing an excellent job of having his man getting the stick and suddenly that becomes a trip. Kind of, well, with the way Riley was hunched over and having his stick out to the side like that, um, getting into the skates, it's it's kind of a chintzy call, but it's technically it, it's the right call. Um, as much as nobody likes it, it's... <laughs> <laughs> like fine fine uh, no, no, right like I, I myself don't like it yeah. i would much rather it not have been called but realistically it was the right call okay i'll i'll accept that you know uh, i don't want to be the super homeristic here and have to accept our faults but hey we uh end the first period one nothing up for tampa going into the second tampa continuing on the power play 133 to go you know good chances for our power kill but not able to sink it um toronto then goes on the power play on a hooking call by mikhaev on foot and okay fine this was a weak call but you know, they were calling things that maybe shouldn't have been called. And then the other, it went the opposite way. <laughs> I don't know. But unfortunately, Sorelli scores shorthandedly. It makes it 2 nothing for Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the calls tonight were a little... Like, as much as I said, they, they the officiating was good. And it was tonight. Tonight was the best officiated game in the entire series. They... How can I word this without sounding like I've completely lost my mind? Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> they were the calls that that had to be made. Like I was ridiculously surprised that they got Nick Paul on an embellishment after the Justin Hall interference call, which uh, yet again I'm okay with because he did go down a little easy. But you don't normally get that call, right? Yeah. Normally they just pick the person who created the initial infraction. Doesn't matter if there was an embellishment or not, and then that's that. But yeah, uh, yeah. E even the the hooking one on Cal Foot, it technically it was still a hook. We've seen a lot less called in the series. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm just still mad, you know. But oh <laughs> uh, yes, that one was legit. Of course, um, you know, at this point, Leafs Nation had hope because we did come back from going to nothing down to nothing last game and Leafs were playing solid the they did not lose commitment to the game they did not take their foot off the gas whatsoever in my opinion anyways um they came out blazing and before you know it Matthews wins a draw Nylander Nylander to the point Geo huge shot Matthews with the tip and in giving the Leafs life 
and cutting the lead in half for Tampa. Ooh, baby. He, he's really looking for that. Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of goes back to what we saw in the last game when Keefe put Giordano on the first power play unit, right? Mm-hmm. And just saying that, nothing against Riley, not that he's playing bad, but he's more of a distributor, whereas Gio's just looking to get it at the net. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a little bit of a change and a good look. And that's what you saw in this play. Gio just, he didn't like hammer it. It wasn't a hundred mile per hour slap shot. It was, it was a, a hard shot, but yeah. just try, just trying to get it there to create the opportunity. And of course, with Matthews in front, if points going to leave him open like that, he's going to get that every time. Oh, definitely. And, you know, so happy at this point. But at the end of this second period, it just gets even better. The guy, John Tavares, who people have been shitting on all year long, pulls through. Huge goal. You know, it looked like Spezza was trying to tip it in from up top of the cage. But I'm so glad he didn't touch that puck because it wouldn't have been a, a goal. His stick was way above the, the crossbar. But you know, 33 point seconds left into the period. The captain scores. We are on cloud nine, tying it up in this game. And then with 7.8 left, he scores again. Oh my God. Yeah, what a what a play by Nylander to cut in, go behind the net and just drop it to Johnny who was waiting in the slot, like perfect positioning. And even the pass itself from Nylander wasn't that great of a pass. He had to stop it with escape first and then kind of pick it up from there. But that little double clutch by having to stop it with escape is probably what helped make it such an easy shot for him because Vassy was coming over so hard, expecting the one-timer right away, and then the shot wasn't there, so he kept sliding, right? Yeah, super smart play, high IQ. Just ending the second period, you know, once again, feeling so good in this game. Another crazy roller coaster ride. Just all the hope in the world. But do or die for Tampa. You know, I'm kind of surprised that their fans outside were all seated. You notice that? They all have lawn chairs looking super chill, just (laughs) watching the game on the big screen, whereas our pit in Toronto just going nuts spraying beer everywhere you know (laughs) getting trampled on well Florida sunbirds right a lot of them are probably in retirement so be be a a long time to stand for that long of a game yeah true and I'm sure I'm sure the building wasn't even sold out either I always see the tweets saying you know (laughs) tickets still on sale for 50 bucks or whatever it is and it just seems like a joke but it definitely is. Yeah. And speaking of the net coming off, our net comes off with point crashing down with Riley, but the puck never crosses the line. Thank fucking God. Oh, and then (sighs) I think Leafs nation collectively kind of held their breath there, hoping to see Jack get up, you know, unharmed. Thankfully he did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, at this point in the third, they were taking draws so, like, repeating them so many times. So you, I don't know what was going on there, but just trying to get the perfect call or or what. Um, you know, Ingval winning a D-zone draw after camp and point both waved off. We had that happen again with Tavares and Kerfoot. And after this point, it just kind of, you know, 
this is when people started really cursing the cursing the refs names because camp high sticks foots foots left shoulder pad or right shoulder pad but he completely sells it like this guy went to acting school or what like it hits his shoulder he looks directly up in the sky like it hits him right off the beak but video shows like guy what casper's not there like what are you doing right now yeah this was was definitely the the worst call of the night and probably realistically probably the only one that they absolutely got wrong like 100 percent wrong and unfortunately went against us right like that it's kind of surprising to me to see someone like cal foot do that considering how the type of player that his dad was right just such a hard-nosed defenseman who always did the right thing was always in you know so such mr reliable back there and then his son goes and does something like that but (laughs) yeah yeah. gotta gotta kill it off but uh i think we know what happens i guess he took some notes from his dad uh (laughs) former NHLer at this point I'm wondering what he's saying you know sell anything you can at this point especially with the officiating in this league but you know I agree with you being before the third I thought it was pretty good I it did not have many complaints whatsoever with the officiating officiating it was mostly in the third period and of course you know our power kill tries to be aggressive killing this penalty off curse Kerfoot with a break ends up in the corner with headman you know going a little bit too hard because no one is there for help either but unfortunately gets the stick way up his chin strap and you know there was no way out of that that was obviously the correct call there like the guy ate ate the stick for breakfast you know but yeah i i see people complaining online about how headman had like basically brought kerfoot stick up well it's not like headman grabbed his stick and then hit himself in the face with it he was in the process of trying to make a hockey play trying to get his stick free and it got caught you are still it a little bit of coincidental contact yeah they probably wouldn't call that but kerf like the bottom third of Kerfoot's stick was in between (laughs) Hedman's shoulder pads in his jersey. Like there was no, there was no way out of it. And I don't see how people can even attempt to argue that one because that that was a call. Um, At that point, he had already killed a good chunk of the penalty off, just try and smother it against the boards and either hope for a whistle, like pull a parry, right? Yeah. There's, you're right. There's absolutely no way out of that. You cannot challenge that. (laughs) I mean, this, you know, it's, I'm still emotional being, I apologize. But, you know, Kerfoot, or not Kerfoot, Kucherov, wrong K, scores on this five on three, leading to another argument because Point's helmet strap was undone during this power play. And, Marner is pointing at him. Spezza comes off the bench afterwards to argue it because apparently 
Uh, that's a big no-no, but Elliot Friedman in the intermission there cleared up the point for us viewers. <laughs> I guess the refs did that for them uh, afterwards because Spezza rallied the, the boys and said, okay, you know what, we're wrong here. We can't challenge this. We just kind of have to take it and move forward. R- regardless of whether or not the it should have been a penalty, um, which judging like based by how the rule is is technically written it shouldn't have been a penalty um but regardless of that fact that's not that that wouldn't be something that would be challengeable mm-hmm. because it wasn't the puck wasn't kicked in it wasn't deflected in with a high stick there wasn't goaltender interference there wasn't offside like I, I get it that's there's a possibility that there could have been a slight advantage on your side if it was called if it was in fact a penalty but it wasn't reviewable, so you're basically just wasting time on nothing there. I honestly thought the stick got into Campbell's pads or something. Um, I didn't realize the strap at first until they were talking about it. And watching the replay, I'm I'm looking for that goalie interference, and I'm looking for the shove because they were su- like on the line of that crease and standing right in front of the pod there, but... I'm so glad they didn't attempt to challenge for that. Like, yes, Perry was in there a little bit, and he kind of went at Campbell's stick, but there was no way we would have won that. Like, no way whatsoever. Definitely. Me too. So glad. Smart move by Keefe. And, you know, looking to close out the series, uh, you want it in the game. But no, there's no way at that point. And uh, after that... Keefe is just trying to throw out different combinations too. We saw Blackwell, Camp, Mikheyev, uh, super dominating shift from that second line. And, you know, Kerfoot trying to redeem himself with a shot off the knob of the stick. We had a Muzzin, Nylander, JT chance. Oh my God. Hot and Hagel misses a wide open net. Just, just madness. Madness leading into OT. Oh, it, it was. And when Hagel missed, I would kind of had a big sigh of relief there. Like, okay, that's, that's our, our one, right? You're, if you do the old hockey God saying, right, if you, <laughs> if you play the game right and do all the little things right, like you're supposed to, then things will go your way. And that was just a sign like, okay, you know what, maybe, maybe things are going to go our way tonight because there's no way in hell he should have missed that. And you even saw when he went back to the bench, he knew it. Yeah, that easily could have been the end of the series for them, the end of this year for them. And, you know, the demons inside my head told me that he was going to be the OT winner just because that's the way it works for the Leafs, unfortunately. Um, But hey, the Leafs go into overtime 3-3. You know, the Leafs have scored at least three goals on Vasilevsky every game and trying to break more curses that have strung along this series. I don't even know what you want to call it, but Hey, overtime for the first time deserved, you know, both teams played super hard, 48 hits for the Leafs, 60 for the lightning, 21 blocks apiece, which I'm shocked about. It seemed like they were blocking way more than, than they were hitting tonight. <laughs> that's, just, that's just in my opinion, but only one power play opportunity for the Leafs. So that just goes to show that mm, the whistles were put away at some point, especially in that third period. And, you know, another couple power play opportunities could really, really change this game. Well, 
And with your comment on the blocks, like I think everybody kind of, kind of buckled in and and understood the importance of the game and how much one goal could change everything and mean uh, an awful lot because you saw it from everybody. Like, okay, Matthews has been playing great defensively, hitting everything all year, but he was blocking. Hall was blocking and actually blocking well. Yeah. Um, everybody, Labushkin had a handful of good blocks. JT was in there all the time. Even Willie was trying to do blocks. Like everybody was buying in and it was so nice to see that. And I made a comment and I think it was in our discord, how right off the hop in the first period that the Leafs were playing as such a, a team unit. It was so, even when they got down to nothing, it was so refreshing to see the way they were playing as, as a team, as like basically just this one giant mind that had one mission and one goal and if a defenseman came in they were covered right away and it, it didn't we didn't give up anything that we didn't need to really aside from a couple minor little gaps like the curfew one or the double minor right yeah i totally agree uh all game long like you said did not let that foot off the gas whatsoever. If someone was flying down, at least two guys would have him. And the Leafs were winning so many puck battles. And it was a game of literally millimeters because if they had a good chance, something would get blocked. And then it would go the other way and it get blocked again. And you'd have to find that funky rebound or that lucky shot to try and get it past either of the goaltenders. <laughs> I mean, Atlantic All-Star Division goaltenders, you know, like this is literally, oh, Tampa, our evil twin, just... <laughs> <sighs> but yeah it, it'll just make winning on saturday that much sweeter right yeah uh yeah unfortunately leafs unable to convert an ot point with less than two minutes left in the ot scores uh i i yelled and just said how did that even go in you know was there interference like trying to look for anything on this play just to see but you know, too little, too late. And, you know, Matthews, too, held by Kalorn for how long? Like 20 seconds, 30 seconds? <laughs> no call. He, Kerfoot he had just, elbowed. <sighs> Matthews had just had um, such a beautiful tip in front just prior to that, too, and had such a great chance to win it. And it, it just went wide. He just didn't get enough of it. And that's... As, as much as it sucks and as much of a hockey cliche as it is, that's what happens, right? That's how overtime goes, and they they just have to make sure that they can not get too down off of this and, and keep going because yeah. they were right there. It's not like they dominated and they snuck it into overtime. Like, they were right there. They had this game. They played great all throughout it, tons of chances. Yeah. They can do it. They can, they can. And I, I know it has to be the hardest way possible, you know, for Leafs fans. Um, they can definitely do it. Uh, I know a lot, a lot of people were really positive today, and I really appreciate the positivity. Don't get me wrong, but of course we have to eliminate these demons in the back of our minds. And ugh. But, you know, everyone played a really solid game tonight, so I'm going to ask. I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty, 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 Why? pretty good. Who just 
you think was pretty good tonight, Beaner? Ooh, that's a tough one. I didn't. Uh, who were the three stars? I don't want to break the rules here. Three stars were oh, Point Tavares and Sorelli. Okay, so who would you give your fourth star to? Um, I'm going to say Matthews because like, not only did he get the goal, but there was multiple times where he came back to help his defenseman back in the corner, win puck battles and, and break up plays. And a couple times he even lifted the guy's stick as he was going in for a shot. So he didn't just check out when the Leafs were up. He kept, kept going, kept grinding, trying to make sure that they trying to ensure that they had the best chance at winning. Yeah. Really good pick. Uh, he was a beast once again tonight. This guy is just on a different level, night in and night out. Can't wait till he's, you know, in his actual prime, like 27 years old-ish, 26 years old. Imagine how <laughs> how things will turn out then. But, hey, for me, it's tough. Uh, JT is really sticking out to me because of the two goals, of course. But I'm going to give it to Soupy because he really kept us in the game. Even though Leafs played a really solid game in front, he made some incredible saves that could have easily gave another couple for Tampa. So, yeah, Jack Campbell, awesome night tonight. Even though it was an 886 save percentage, you know what? If you watch the game, it did not seem like that whatsoever. Yeah, Soup played great. And... I think the save percentage just looks the way it does because the just that, that's kind of how the whole series has gone, right? It it feels like there's a lot more shots than there actually was. Like what did the Leafs finish or Tampa finish with 35 shots on net? Well, their attempted shots at the net had to have been what 75, 80. Oh yeah. Once you once you factor in misses and blocks and everything, and even though they're not hitting the goalie, that still factors in because you're still bracing for the shot. You're you may have already moved as 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 a reflex to try to save it. So I don't I don't fault Campbell at all. We definitely are not getting out goaltended in this series. That's for sure. Now in our group chat, you said it was a weak one on that Sorelli uh, goal. Um, Little spinorama, you know, he takes the shot, fools Campbell. Yeah, it could have been one to say. Yeah, it, the only reason I said on that particular one that that is weak is because of the fact that it was along the ice. Mm -hmm. If if someone's coming in like that and you don't really know, because if you can't see their stick straight on, it's a lot harder to try and figure out where they're shooting stick your legs out like have your butterfly nice and wide as his left foot was kind of tucked in a little bit behind him and yeah. that's why it was able to sneak in where it was like yeah it that, that i can pretty much guarantee you that would have beat me i'm not saying i would have saved it <laughs> but he yeah it, it was a minor gaffe but even still we're not we're not getting out goaltended um it just it, it was disappointing to see that at that point in the game that's for sure uh, now that you say uh, his leg got stuck, it just reminds me of that play where he, you know, there was a wide open cage as well, and his leg also got stuck again trying to recover. So these are the moments for me where I think, you know, luck was on his side in those 
positions, but honestly, the saves made up for it at the end of the day. Uh, Soup was really tracking pucks. And, you know, as much as Vasilevsky was flashing the leather tonight, uh, I think Soup had ex- uh, just as many excellent saves as well. So, yeah, absolutely. We do have one comment from on tw- on Twitter, and it's from Mike at Mike the Fanatic. You want to hear your thoughts about this being? He says the NHL should seriously be ashamed of themselves. Still, don't think Batman doesn't have a fix in for Canadian teams to win. Yeah, you sure? Okay. Beyond sick of the refs ruining fantastic hockey games. The Leafs had one singular power play all game. One. Cheers, guys. Kind of touches on what we've been talking about, but just to express more frustration from Leafs Nation. And also there's pictures and everything to go with that. Um, (laughs) With that explanation there just to show and prove his points. So thank you, Mike, for that. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I, I can see there being some legs behind that. I don't, I can't remember if it was Johnny or if it was Darty who brought it up first. Uh, I think it was towards the end of the season. I don't even think we were in the playoffs yet. That kind of idea of, of Bettman possibly having a fix in and I'm going to assume that he wouldn't be that stupid because (laughs) like today's day and age, if you did something like that, there's no way it's not going to get out. So, I would like to think that he's not that stupid and it's just everyone trying to look for an excuse to justify why their team is doing or isn't doing what they they want or hope they could, right? Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, and, you know, we've been praising the Leafs game tonight, would, would there be any changes you would make for Game 7 being? Any lineup changes or... You know, if you had your chance to speak to the guys, what would you say? Well, I don't think I would make any changes. Um, as much as that pains me to say, because I want to see Lily back. Uh, like, I, I have to eat crow when, when it's needed, right? Hall played great tonight. And really everyone did like uh, there was a couple shifts in the early parts of the game that I thought maybe Marner kind of looked a little off. Like maybe he was, he was trying to think too much, right? He didn't quite seem as crisp with his skating or his passes, but he definitely got that back by the end of the game. And just with regards to trying to talk to the team, just you've been here before you've had chances and you haven't done it. Like, it's not going to continue to happen this way. Look at uh, Jeremy Roenick. He made the cup final in his first or second year with Chicago in the early 90s. Excuse me. And he thought, oh, great. This is going to happen every year. This is awesome. You know, the NHL is easy. And he never made it back again. Like, great career, great player. Just guys don't really, I don't know if everybody realizes in the moment how difficult it is even just to get to the playoffs at a, on a consistent basis, let alone try and make a run. So if you have a chance, you gotta, you gotta take the opportunity and look at the guys on the team. They all say how important Spets is to the team. Simmons, you know, Geo, even though he just came in, they don't have a lot of years left in them. As much as it pains me to say, I'd love to see Spezza 
keep playing, even if he only plays a handful of games a year. But they don't have that many games left in them, and you've already seen it with Thornton, with Marlowe. You know, you've seen players come and go out of that dressing room who have played forever and have not won a cup. Yeah. So first step is the next game, right? Just win one. That's all you got to worry about. Win that one, go on to the next game. Because you can do it, and you can hang with anybody in this league. There's no question about it. Oh, most definitely. And speaking of Spezza, he only played 6-19 tonight. What an impactful player with such a reduction in minutes. Because, you know, Keith is obviously trying to throw out the big guns whenever he can to... To score anything at any point, but just the presence on the bench and in that locker room, oh man, just so valuable. And um, it's hard, right? This roster, you have guys like Simmons and even Clifford, you know, and Lily and Sandine. I know he hasn't had his reps yet, but you want these guys to play and you want another series to come so you can have games one to three, you know, to test things, well, test things out, rotate guys in and give these guys their reps. So I'm hoping I'm, I have, I have the passion. (laughs) I have the passion. It's going to happen. It's, it's, you know, knock on wood. It, it, It has to happen, but yeah. But moving on, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm still in it. I'm still I'm still processing it. Uh, you know, uh, we're at midnight now, and I'm still like, Ugh. but Matthews nominated for the heart. Yes, yeah. um, we all kind of kind of assumed. Well, not assumed. We knew he was going to be in there. Um, I think what everybody is kind of a little bit shocked about is with the media pumping Jonathan Huberto's tires up so big he wasn't in the top three so yeah. that, that that's nice to see it and even Matthews had said himself that it, it's not ultimately that's not what that's it's, it's an honor but that's not what he wants right he was just trying to focus on tonight um just a just a little quote from I guess the interview with Matthews after the game We've just got to put our balls on the line and go for it. There we go. <laughs> right, and, and and they do, and I, I don't think they, I, I don't think they played poorly. It just it, it happens, right? Yeah, it's just the way she goes. So, but yeah, when that uh, nomination came out, the top three there, um, I immediately went to Twitter because I knew the slander was coming. <laughs> especially when you did not see Huberto or Gaudreau's name in the conversation and everyone uh, (laughs) uh, in the West anyways was really cheering for Gaudreau but hey I think Matthews is definitely top two definitely deserves it as well we've been you know saying amazing things about him all year long but I think the biggest controversial nomination has to be the bunting for Calder. I'm so happy he's got he's he's gotten the nomination, but it's just sparked, you know, more toxicity on Twitter. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and we've talked about this a lot over the course of the season. And as much as I 
love bunting and I would love for him to win the Calder. I, I still think it's going to be cider and not anything to do with age. I don't give two shits about the age thing. Just the, the difficulty of playing defenseman in the league as opposed to forward. Right. And then it's, it shouldn't, but it's going to go against them that he played with Matthews and Marner. Like if you think about it, it should almost work in your favor. If you're good enough to stay with two of the best players in the league all year, like McDavid doesn't even typically have a winger stay with him 90% of the year. So that should factor in his favor, but it's, it's not going to. Um, yet again, he, he can tip his cap and, and thank everyone and look at, as a, look at it as a great honor to be nominated. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting stat, though. Thanks, Marty, for this. Bunting, uh, 92% of his points came at even strength, whereas 72% for Zegras and 54% for Cider. Um, obviously pay- playing with superstars, but we have to remember that Nick Ritchie was in that original position to start off the year, and Bunting literally snaked his way all the way to the top through his effort and ability and just proving the guys wrong and everyone else wrong in Leafs Nation. He came into this um, into this team kind of, every you know, people, especially if you don't play fantasy and you're not familiar with stats and players, like, who is this guy? I've never heard of this guy, especially he's the oldest one on this first line now, but... You know, he started off with a really hot shooting percentage. I remember talking about this uh, early on in the year because he had uh, good stats with the with the Coyotes. But I think the thing that people fail to realize is that there's three parts of the eligibility with the Calder, and I think the thing that the NHL is kind of beyond behind on is when they're not counting major pro leagues like the european leagues so if you want to throw in the argument that he shouldn't be eligible because he's played x amount of games and you know he's barely made the cutoff if we were to count european leagues neither would kaprizov Pedersen, panarin or matthews would have been eligible to win the calder yep oh and and you're so right like the the list of players that have played full seasons over there is huge and i don't know why they don't consider it especially the khl which kind of surprises me the most because that's probably the closest comparison there is to being a professional league right compared to the nhl um the the big thing everybody seems to kind of focus in on is the age like they must not have attain their 26th birthday by September 15th of the season in which they're eligible. Now, 26 is still fairly young. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, especially for a hockey player, if you think 90% of the players that play, they don't, a lot of them don't make it before they're 20. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it takes a long time to work your way up, and especially someone like Bunting, who he didn't have, the best of the best growing up. He had to fight and claw his whole way up. And we're not talking about who was the flame that won at Makarov when he was 31 in the 80s. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's not that's not who we're talking about here. He's still in his mid-20s. He is still less than the number of games played for eligibility. Like, end of discussion. 
yeah, no one's talking about Zegris. Uh, one of the uh, categories of eligibility is uh, less than 25 games in a prior major pro league season. And Zegris played 24 last year in the NHL. So he was right at the cutoff there. And yeah, Matt, and another thing that people don't notice is that Matthews would have, uh, have, sorry, has only played in Europe because of his birthday. He did not make the cutoff for the draft. So that's what sent him to Zurich. Yeah, he, I, I can't remember if it was his agent who suggested it or his family and just that they felt he got pretty much everything he could get out of the new, the U S national development program. And that playing over in Europe against grown men rather than kids would be better for his development and coming in with four goals in his first game. I don't think anybody can argue the path he took. Yeah, exactly. I think the most interesting thing that stands out to me though about the the bunting thing and that a lot of people like if we really dig deep into this debate um if you look at his stats and you really want to go deep into history this guy only started playing (laughs) competitive high level hockey when he was 16 years old Every other player's profile, you can see every team, you know, um, U16, under 14, under 12, AAA this, you know, could like all of these options. But when you go to Michael Bunting's profile, it's literally his high school and then his Don Mills Flyers U18 AAA team. And then the next year he was with the Sioux Greyhounds. So... There is a hot take out there by um, Mitch Marnie on Twitter, which I don't know if it's safe to assume, but I'm sure many other players in this world who may be elite might be financially struggling and maybe did not have the means to play AAA hockey as a child and growing up and, you know, seizing opportunities if they were ever given any. Maybe this happened with bunting. We never know. Yeah, the I I can't speak on it a hundred percent, but there was a couple of people that had made comments like that that you know his parents couldn't afford to give him all the best equipment and put him in all the the high end hockey programs, and yet here he is worked his way all the way up to the NHL, and that's the kind of story that you love to see, right? Like even someone this is going way back, someone like Marty St. Louis, he. I'm not sure on the financial side of things, but he had everything working against him with his size, especially in that era. And he had to fight and claw for every, every inch that he got and he made a hall of fame career out of it. So it's, it's definitely doable and it's nice to see. And I'm, I'm glad it's someone that's on our team and he's turned out so well for us. Yeah. Just in my opinion, uh, someone who starts when they're 16, you know, you're literally a lifetime behind the kid who started skating, right after they started walking and, you know, the parents drilling it into their heads that this is your routine moving forward. And unfortunately, some kids become miserable and it's a huge political game in this uh, hockey business. But at the end of the day, it's one of the, it's maybe the most expensive sports to continuously playing. Um, 
my girlfriend, for example, started playing um, this year, well, back in October. So we had to buy for the first time ever. So we had to buy everything. And good thing she fits into junior gear, let me tell you. (laughs) So you save a little money, but you're easily spending at least like 500 bucks on equipment alone, plus your league fees, plus everything else. I can't even imagine what it costs to play AAA. Um, and the, the many thousands and thousands of dollars you spend on travel and sticks and skates and all this stuff alone. So, yeah, it, it, about. it adds up super quick. Um, and that's even just in like beer league that I play in, not not high level right so you start factoring in extra skating sessions or power skating or skills coaches whatever you want and the price just skyrockets yeah and also as an adult the horrible thing about leagues is that it's all super late because the ice time is saved for the kids so if you're used to working that nine to five job and you start a game at 11 p.m it really catches up to you but hey, oh, hey, Darty Brodeur joining us uh, just before we sign off. But that's okay. <laughs> that's good. That's good. No, I just uh, I had to get just a lot got of himself out. calmed down. <laughs> yeah, have you calmed down? Are you, are you ready to join us and to say your last piece about the leaves? Yeah, I just had to. I had to have a timeout, you know, because uh, it was. I'm at a loss for words. And, you know, sometimes I never have the right words to say, but I just don't have anything to say at this point. It's just uh, I'm not going to sit here and be a negative Nelly. I know that I'm sure I've, I have uh, that reputation now, but it just sucks. Like This is just like, like, who writes this crap? Like, who's writing this narrative? Like, they need to be shot. Like, taken out back. <laughs> yeah. And... One thing I would just want to add on to this discussion, uh, just something else I've been seeing on Twitter lately, and it's kind of a, it shouldn't be a given, but Leafs Nation is very supportive of this. Never, ever, ever, I do not care which team you stand or you support, you do not slander one of the team's most valued and hardcore fans, aka Curtis from Alberta. The shit he's been getting lately. No, it's it's like at a point where it's not even funny. People are retweeting the most, you know, ne- like it's not even just negative. It's so hurtful and like saying, oh, you must be uh, a virgin or you must be divorced or, you know, like just shoving it down our throats again and again. I'm like, oh. I don't know. I just had to say something because it gets me going. <laughs> especially a guy he's so passionate he has the passion he is the trademark of the passion beaner i mean darty no beaner is when you say he goes first (laughs) (laughs) i I was just gonna quickly say like that's it's almost a, a jealousy thing right the leafs have such passionate fans and they always have and they always will that other fan bases and other teams i think might be a little jealous of it and all they can do is rip on you yeah, must and look, be like, I feel like, you know, we have a we have, I guess, a, a noble bard that uh, transcribes and tells my tales to the the tweeters of the world. And uh, he goes by the name mm-hmm. of uh, Austin uh, Richard Rocket. 
and I've been, you know, I've had some uh, quotable statements on this show. But the one thing I do want to like emphasize and point out is I, I you know, obviously there's been a back and forth about me and you know what a real Leafs fan is, what a real fan is, or what the passion is. I need to understand that this is all of the passion, all right? Like my vitriol, your undying love, the flame that unites us all. Like, yeah, I might chirp you a little bit because you know, as I said, I did say that I'd send uh, you know, snake oil salesman to your house because you'll buy anything. All right. I thought that was personally funny, but don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean I don't love you. Like Leafs fans, like you're passionate. I, you know, just because I might tease you a little bit because uh, you know, I'm not always gonna feel the same undying love for when our team happens to dog it every now and then doesn't mean that I don't fucking love you. All right. You guys are you guys are beauties and Gardy jumped in the lake for you. (laughs) I jumped. I froze my petunias off in that frozen lake Simcoe in jeans too. All right, because not only was I, I I took it as a, um, you know, kill two birds with one stone. All right, get get two birds stoned at once. I uh, (laughs) I was trying to teach my dog how to swim, and they uh, they just he he you know obviously random story just to end it off on a feel good story because I don't want to talk about the Leafs right now. We I'm sure you guys talked it you know in the most. You two on this show are the most level-headed folks on this show, besides Roscoe, oh, who is mostly, you know, he's our he's our lovable narrator. But <laughs> but but he can get a little crazy sometimes too. He, he starts to delve into dark ter- territory. So feel good story, unrelated leaves. So I was trying to teach my puppy how to swim, and uh, she just spent the whole day at the dog park. So she was hot, hot, hot. She's an Australian Shepherd, right? And uh, you know, bit fur, furry dog, lots of fur. So I was like. The lake is really cold, but I'm like, you know what? She was panting, panting, panting before. So I was like, I'll take her in the cold lake and I will show her how to swim because I will go in there with her. It was shallow. It was like a, you know, easy play area. And I I threw the ball in and she didn't want to get in. I was like, oh, she's a little chicken, right? I jump in. (laughs) She's smart. (laughs) I scream louder. You guys have heard me scream on this show. I scream so loud. I hit like, you know, I hit a soprano. I hit a. You know, <laughs> that I've never hit before. I, I was starting to sing like Sherry from, uh, you know, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. All right. So, <laughs> but I said, you know what? I'm going to take this as an opportunity to not only teach my dog how to swim, but I'm going to take a couple pictures. I'm going to go, I'm going to go jump in the lake. All right. Cause I remember hearing that in the song. There's a song called uh, uh, Out for a Rip <laughs> by, by the uh, Shark Tank, if you're looking it up. And I said, you know what? If the Leafs make the playoffs, I'll go jump in the lake. Well, the Leafs have made the playoffs. The Leafs are going to fucking do it. And I'm going to jump in this frozen lake to show people I don't give a fuck. (laughs) And not only did (laughs) I jump in that frozen lake and freeze my nuts off, my dog jumped in with me. And now she loves swimming. She was, I've never seen a dog so happy. So I did it for you, Leafs Nation. I did it for my dog. And, you know, we love our animals here. We love Jack Campbell. (laughs) We love Kyle Clifford. We love Austin (laughs) Poppy Matthews. So game seven, Saturday night. We're going to fucking show them all the love and all the passion, no matter how you show it, Leafs Nation, because we're going to yeah. freaking win this goddamn game. So help me God. All right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So St. Louis is up 4-1 with two and a half left in the third. Ooh. So it looks like uh, looks like we're going to have another series decided. I think I was the only one that called St. Louis. I'm pretty sure I was the only one that called St. Louis. There was a couple. I know. Teams. I yes, in six. I called many. Is it six Darty, or is it you five? You were right. You were in six. It'll be six tonight. Yeah. You're right, Darty. Ding, 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 ding. And then uh, Edmonton's up two-one over LA in the second intermission. 
and obviously Boston beat Carolina. There's your. Isn't it why we have two people that were actually like right? Like unless like obviously now that I'm saying it, bring it out. All of a sudden, two minutes, you know, four goals or something. <laughs> but like <laughs> you know, I still owe Beaner money. Like I still got to send him my. Uh, oh yeah, we got to settle that. I got to send him my holographic Connor McDavid <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Speaking of McDavid, Oilers have lost the last five straight playoff games when McDavid and Dry Dry Seidel score. So McDavid already scored tonight. Um, they're playing for their playoff lives. We have a goal from Kane and a power play goal from Jersey going into the third period. So we'll see how that ends. But lots of hockey tonight. Every series on the line. Like you said, Beaner, Boston is still alive. The Lightning still live. The Blues go ahead and we're still waiting on Edmonton, the Kings. And any last yep. remarks before we sign off, folks? Pareko just sealed it with an empty netter. St. Louis advances. Here we go. Winnington, so Bennington. <laughs> Beaner and Darty are our uh, resident uh, prophets. <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah. have St. Saint- Louis versus Colorado in the second round. Ooh, fancy. That's so there's an obvious underdog good. there. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Makar with, what, nine or ten points in four games, tying records for his playoff streak in the first round. So going to be really interesting. Um, I'll eat my words. I definitely said if Bennington plays any of those games, the Blues are going to be losing, and Bennington happened to win his game he played. Um Huso's in net tonight. Is that right? Or um, did it, he steal the win? Let me see. Real- oh, it's Bennington. It cu- okay. I was going to say, it doesn't look like Huso. 9.58 tonight for Bennington. So, yep, I'll eat my words there. Congrats to the Blues. And go Leafs, go. Leafs forever. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Leafs in seven. Eat shit, Tampa.